You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Welcome back to the Paracast with Gene and Chris, except that we won't be hearing from Chris O'Brien today. And there's a simple reason. Chris is on special assignment over there in the mysterious valley. He is not near an internet connection. I tried to contact him on his mobile phone, and it's in, it's out. I don't want to subject you to the poor quality audio. So we'll be hearing more from Chris next week. He'll have lots to say, possibly about his trip, although we hope he got a few days of relaxation. Now, last week, we had a simply fascinating episode. We featured James Carrion. He is a former international director of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. And he came out with a book called The Rosetta Deception, which takes us back to the times of World War II and the Cold War and the efforts of particularly the U.S. and Britain to kind of spook the Russians into thinking that maybe we were far more advanced in some of our developments than we really were. Now, he talks about setting up this Rosetta deception, which essentially included some crack intelligence agents, including Rear Admiral Roscoe Henry Hillencotter, who had become the first head of the CIA somewhat later. Now, according to Carrion, some of the early so-called UFO sightings like the ghost rockets, well, it was just a put-up job. They weren't real UFOs. And he also has a subsequent book coming out, which is about the Roswell deception. So it's clear he feels that the Roswell UFO affair was not a spaceship, not something strange, but perhaps a put-up job again, maybe a test aircraft, a balloon. Who knows? It's true that the Roswell case kind of disappeared after the first flurry of information. First, There's a story that they've captured, a real flying disc. A few hours later, it says, no, no, not just a balloon. And that pretty much put an end to the story until the late 1970s, when Stanton Friedman and Bill Moore and Charles Berlitz were digging, and they put together a book on the Roswell incident that became a bestseller and fueled interest in the case on the part of a lot of people. So what can I say? It doesn't mean there was no Roswell UFO. Certainly, it's part of our pop culture. Perhaps it is as they claim. Perhaps they did recover bodies of dying or dead aliens there. Perhaps it's already being held at, what, Hangar 18 or something, or Hangar 17 at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I know that researcher Kevin Randall, along with his so-called Roswell Dream Team, they're trying to put together all the information as a cold case and see if they can come up with final answers. The key, of course, is that pretty much all the witnesses are no longer here. A lot of the testimony is secondhand, thirdhand, maybe some documents will be found. But we hope that if there is a case there that's been kept a secret for, what, 67 years or so, we'll get a handle on it. And I look forward to seeing what James Carrion has to say. I was pleased, though, that we didn't get the negative reaction I expected in the Paracast forums about the show. Partly because Carrion is very skeptical in his approach, and he seems to 
be less inclined to accept the possibility of unknowns, although he doesn't dismiss the possibility. But it's certainly true that we should really pay heed to the fact that it's possible that early intelligence efforts may have generated UFO sightings. Test aircraft may have generated UFO sightings, particularly in those early years. It doesn't mean there are no spaceships or interdimensional UFOs. It doesn't mean that the thousands of people who saw UFOs didn't see something that's an unknown, that we still do not understand. But if there is an element that involves disinformation, intelligence efforts, whatever, we should find out about it. Let's get back to Rear Admiral Helen Cotter. Okay. Later on, he joined a classmate of his, Major Donald Kehoe. They went to the Naval Academy together at NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, where Rear Admiral Hillencutter, obviously retired, became a member of their Board of Governors. Now, we have to look at perceptions here. We have NICAP, which in the 50s and 60s fought against what they called UFO secrecy, And then you look at a board of governors heavily laden with ex-military. And certainly having the former head of the CIA among that group, even if he's a classmate, former classmate of Major Kehoe, a close friend, you know, it doesn't look very good, does it? And over the years, there were suspicions that NICAP was just a disinformation operation. Now, I don't necessarily believe that. I think they were very sincere in what they did. I did meet Major Kehoe several times over the years, and he appeared to be perfectly sincere in his belief that UFOs were spaceships, that the government knew the truth. But, you know, appearances count for a lot. And when you have an organization filled with intelligence people, the first question you ask is why? Why do you need to have all these people there knowing that some will suspect the organization and its motives. Surely he could find 10 or 12 people in civilian life with nothing more than modest military credentials, possibly serving a tour of duty or two, to be part of his organization. But NICAP is essentially long gone. But that was the way things were back in the early days of UFO research. I should recommend a site that actually we run from our server. It's managed by Kurt Collins, who's been on the show a number of times. He has explored the Cash Landrum case. But he also is the curator of JimMosley.com. That's JimMosley.com. In honor of my late friend James W. Mosley, or Jim Mosley, he was the editor-publisher of Saucer Smear. In the early days, he had a magazine called Nexus that later became Saucer News. And very recently, they reprinted what's called the Adamski Expose issue of Saucer News over at JimMosley.com. That's where they take apart, step by step, the original claims in 1952 by George Adamski that he met E.T. in the California desert. Rips them apart. It's one of the best exposés ever of that case. And it astounds me, after all these years, that there are people out there who still believe that George Adamski really contacted E.T., that he had a genuine encounter with one or more aliens after all these years, after this expose. There was also evidence in that expose issue, by the way, of the photographs that Adamski produced of UFOs being close-up pictures of small models. I think that's incontrovertible. 
I don't think there's any reason to doubt it. But again, you know, what is old is new again. And maybe people who didn't read the exposés of Adamski way back in the early years may still believe his claims were true. Maybe he did have an experience early on, the same as possibly other contactees. And maybe he decided to find a way to promote those claims. I don't know. Once again, jimmosley.com. And the site's managed by Kurt Collins and run from our server. And we are pleased that Kurt has decided to dedicate his time and energy for it. Today, we're going to talk about pretty much traditional UFO research. And we're going to be speaking with Stan Gordon, a Pennsylvania-based paranormal researcher. He covers UFOs, Bigfoot, lots of interesting subjects. And of course, this weekend, there's a Kecksburg UFO Festival in honor of the crashed Kecksburg UFO back in the 1960s. For those listeners who are new to the show, and every week we hear from lots of people who haven't heard the show before, I'm going to ask Stan right at the beginning to quickly sum up Kecksburg. I'm going to ask him also if he thinks it was just a military test aircraft. That's certainly apt considering what's going on. Once again, Chris O'Brien's on assignment in a place where he's unable to connect to the internet or cell phone. Lots more to come. Stan Gordon coming up. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today, July 25th, 2014, gold opened at 1295.60. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1342.71, 671.35 for a half ounce, or 335.68 for a quarter ounce. That's 1342.71, 671.35, and 335.68. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? 
If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends. If you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships. If you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise. And you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer at 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You're in the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Chris is on special assignment at a location where there is no internet connection, where... The cell phone system simply doesn't work. What we mean is like every third word vanishes into digital haze. Stan Gordon, you're talking from a landline, right? That's correct. So we don't have to worry about digital haze. You're correct. (laughs) Okay. I just wonder, in this day and age, hundreds of millions of people have wireless phones, and there are parts of this country and other countries you can travel to where reception is either non-existent or simply unacceptable. After all these years, we can't get it together. We need ET's help, I think. That's it. Well, you'd be surprised. There's quite a number of areas here in Pennsylvania where I go out to investigate deep in the woods or down in the valleys, and there's very little cell phone signal. So even some of the uh, areas not that far away from populated areas, we're having some problems. Well, I lived in Pennsylvania like many, many years ago, back in the 1970s, and still some of the greatest years of my life, but life has taken us elsewhere. But I lived in southeast Pennsylvania, near Downingtown, Coatesville area. You're familiar with that? Oh, yes. Okay. And I remember then I was working as news director for a local radio station, and they had UFO sightings reported in the area. And I was news director, supposedly a serious reporter, and I'd run the stories and follow up on them. Fortunately, the management of the station indulged me, which doesn't happen very often. And they let me get away with it. So what year would that have been, Gene? 
Oh heavens, early seventies. You remember when okay. they had sure, and I was probably I was probably involved in a lot of those investigations because I I know the names of those towns and I know we had many cases in the early seventies down that general area. So I probably was looking through a lot of those reports. Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. I remember Kennett something Square, happening sure. there outside of Philadelphia. Right. This is about forty miles west of Philadelphia okay. in Chester well, there County. A, there was a lot of activity down in that area. During the 70s, during the 80s, and the 90s, uh, and I still get reports. I just had a very interesting sighting happen down, probably not too far from there, down in Snyder County on Monday. And I think it's down that, not too far from that area, so I have to look look on the map. Well, unfortunately, the station I worked for completely switched from just regular music, middle-of-the-road music, easy-listening music, to religion. So it's run by something called the Holy Spirit Radio Foundation nowadays. So even if we wanted to get this show to be carried in that area, it wouldn't be WCOJ. Unless they change format. You see with radio stations, you know, they buy them, they sell them, they change formats every day. Stan, for our new listeners, can you tell us what attracted you to UFOs? Because you've been doing it for, I guess, most of your life. Well, this year will be 55 years. (laughs) You must be very tired. I'm tired, but still interested and still very, very busy uh, getting lots of reports in on a regular basis, still investigating cases, uh, still out there educating the public on these events. And so I'm uh, very busy. And I, and I still have to tell you, Gene, after all these years, I have still never seen a UFO or Bigfoot myself. Interviewed thousands of witnesses, seen a lot of evidence out in the field we gathered, but I've never had a personal encounter. Kind of like me. Seriously, I may have seen something once with my first wife, Geneva, back in the late 60s. Otherwise, I went out on a lot of these investigations in the early years, not so much now. To answer your question, uh, how I got involved so early was my birthday, uh, my 10th birthday is when I really got involved in this field back in 1959. How I got involved, my, my birthday happened to be during the Halloween season, and my parents gave me a new radio, an AM radio, as a birthday gift. And I was uh, turning around the AM radio dial that night, and there was some radio shows talking about strange and unusual events, from haunted houses to ghosts, uh, flying saucers, and strange creatures. And, well, at 10 years old, I was already really interested in science and electronics, and I spent a lot of time out in the woods gathering samples, looking at my microscope, and I heard these stories, and I wanted to know, are these people making these things up, or is there something to it? So I began to make a lot of frequent visits to the local Greensburg Library, where I live, and read all the books they had. I began to read all the papers very cautiously to see if there was any news stories about unusual happenings. I would clip articles out and make scrapbooks. And if something would appear in the local paper, if somebody claimed to have seen a UFO, for example, I called them on the phone and asked them to tell me the story about what they saw, and I kept records of it. And that's what I did for a long time. And then I was 16 years old when the incident happened near Kecksburg, which is about 12 miles from where I live in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, I got involved with it the night it happened, which I can tell you that story as well. It, uh, how it all broke and how it, the Kecksburg event came to my attention was I was uh, tuned in to KDK Radio in Pittsburgh. And you remember KDK was, was one of the big stations in the country. Let's just pause for a second and explain this. You have these so-called clear channel radio stations not like clear channel the company that owns you know thousands of stations and has the premier radio networks and everything we're talking about a station that's on a lower frequency in the am dial because there is no real competition from other stations they could radiate in all directions and with 50,000 watts 50,000 watts they could be heard 
in a number of states. For example, you were mentioning discussions of UFOs. Another station that had that was WOR 710, and Long John Nebel would run his show every night, five nights a week, from New York City, 1440 Broadway in New York City, and he featured all these discussions about UFOs, and that's one way I kept interested in the subject. We'll talk a little bit now about Kecksburg. We're going to have to pause for a moment for our benefactors. Let's start with Kecksburg for the sake of new listeners. If you heard this all before, well, tolerate it for a second. Okay. So Kecksburg occurs, you're 16 years old. Yep. It's uh, December 9th, 1965. Okay. It's a Thursday evening. I'm tuned in the KDK radio to listen to a, a radio talk show. It's called Contact. And the host of the show was a late Mike Levine. And the reason I was listening to that show is because he had a, a guest on whose name you will remember was Frank Edwards, who was a reporter who had written some books on unusual happenings and flying saucers. And I was tuned in to listen to him. What was most interesting is, is that pretty much the entire show was spotlighting this UFO incident, which had just happened a short time before. The news was just breaking. They were reading the newswire stories that were just starting to come over. They were interviewing reporters and local witnesses. And what we were learning at that time was this brilliant fireball had been seen from Ontario, Canada, over Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And according to the reports coming in, that object, whatever it was, came in over the greater Pittsburgh area that afternoon. It was just getting dark, almost dark, about 4.47 p.m. And uh, it was a very interesting uh, program. Well, as the evening went on, this began to be the major news story throughout the area. And it was being broadcast on radio and even on, on the KDK TV. They were breaking in with live reports that evening that the military was now arriving in the, the Kecksburg area, that small farming community, to search for an unidentified flying object. It was a fascinating night to remember. And I wasn't even driving yet. I had no way to get out there. And I was running back and forth between our old black and white console TV and the, and the radio stations trying to get all the latest information. And it kept on all night. It was a big primary news story. And there was a lot of discussion about it. Well, I, I was hopeful that the next day this would make some of the, the newspapers. And it, in fact, was the, the headline of all the local papers in the area. You know, the, let's uh, just pause this here and then we'll go into that. I remember the days when UFOs would actually get covered in the major newspapers of the day. Stan Gordon joins us. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free sent right to your mailbox, plus a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hi. 
Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. Well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hoodia, and metabolic complex, and pro-metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and Warwood Plus complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? I'm the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien. Chris is off on special assignment in an area where there's no cell phone reception, no access to the Internet. We have Pennsylvania-based UFO paranormal investigator Stan Gordon. And he's talking about the fact that the day after the Kecksburg UFO sighting reports that he heard on radio and television, they appeared in the newspapers, major headlines. And what did they report? Well, the, the local paper here, the Greensburg Tribune, if you had two editions at the time, the morning edition had the headline, Army Ropes Off Area, Unidentified Flying Object Falls Near Kecksburg. 
the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Pittsburgh Press both had headlines pertaining to the UFO incident. The later edition of the Green Tribune Review had a number of different stories and interviews, but the one that attracted my attention right away was searchers failed to find object. So it went on to say that you know this object reportedly fell down into this wooded ravine, that there were multitudes of, of witnesses out at the scene who had come from all over the Pittsburgh area, because as this story is breaking and they're broadcasting it on the news, hundreds of people from throughout western Pennsylvania began to descend on the small farming community to try to get a look of whatever it was that fell down into the woods. They were, of course, stopped by the authorities. They weren't able to get down in. And not only did you have the fact that you had a lot of citizens, but you had reporters from all the major news facilities, from Pittsburgh radio, newspaper, and TV, who came out there as well. And many of them became witnesses themselves because they either saw military personnel or equipment or interacted with the military at different levels. So I interviewed those people as well. So they became part of the story. As I was telling you earlier, you know, the, the addition of the treatment had searchers failed to find object and went on to say that there was a search of the area, but Apparently, witnesses had been mistaken. This is the official line now that people had seen a bright meteor in the sky, but nothing had fallen to the ground. And that's officially the end of the story. The, the only official document that had ever surfaced on the case was from the Project Blue Book file. And it doesn't list it under Kecksburg, it lists it under Acme, Pennsylvania. And I felt for a long time the reason for that is because I know that an Air Force officer interviewed some of, of family members who were involved in the case, who lived within walking distance of where the object fell, but their mailing address was under Acme rather than Kecksburg. These are very, very little, small communities. So they have different mailing addresses, and it was under Acme, so I thought that's why they probably lived under Acme, Pennsylvania. But anyhow, you know, as this story is circulating, I remember within days after it happened, that there was a lot of talk around this area from people who were around there that night who saw this large military flatbed tractor trailer truck carrying this large tarp object out of the area at a high rate of speed around 1 o'clock in the morning. Of course, that was never in the newspapers. But officially, nothing fell, nothing was found. But, you know, I spent, well, this year's going to be 49 years of research on the case. And I started basically the day the story broke. And I began to try to track down people who were involved to get information, but there was very little to get at the time. This was a small community. I really knew hardly anybody around that area. There were a few names in the paper. But as I began to try to gather information, put word out that I was looking for information over a period of weeks and months and years, well, since then, I've now interviewed hundreds of people who were involved in the case. We've been able to put together a, a quite a lot of information. Even though there's, there's unanswered questions, we put a lot of the case together. So one thing we now know is this. Whatever this object was, as it came over the greater Pittsburgh area that afternoon, and multitudes of people were calling into the local news media, to the police departments, because a lot of people thought that what they saw, this brilliant fiery object, may have been an airplane that may have exploded and the sky was on fire. And... This object continued out into Westmoreland County, came over my hometown, over the city of Greensburg. But what we now know is it, it tracked out towards Route 30 East, but then it turned to the south. 
and various people along the small communities, they see this object continuing to move out in the distance over towards the mountains of Laurelville, and others around there saw it, and it turned and began to track back towards Kecksburg, made another turn, then dropped down into the Wooded Ravine. Now, the people I interviewed who saw it go down said, it didn't go down at a high rate of speed as if you'd have a reentry of space debris or a meteor coming in, but it came down almost like it was controlled. So what we now know is this. There were a number of independent people who apparently went down into the woods soon after it fell. They came across this large metallic acorn-shaped object, more than writing. One witness who was several feet away from it, he studied it pretty well. And for years after, he, he went to libraries to search and, and learn about ancient writings and and he said the closest thing he could recall from what he tried to remember of seeing was was ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Let me ask you very quickly here. There is, therefore, no record of anyone actually recording what this labeling involved. It was just a memory that it looked like hieroglyphics. Years, years later, correct. Okay. Anyhow, there, there are multitudes of stories. And you have to see the layout of the land where this happened because... There was a a small, narrow country road that paralleled along this very big wooded area. And it was up on top of that hill that overlooks that whole village area where hundreds of people jammed that road that night. That's where reporters were, and many people were, trying to get a look at this thing. But by the time they get there, it's dark. So basically, they're seeing a lot. They're seeing some authorities and people up where they are. But what they didn't realize was most of the activity was way down the opposite side of the woods, they wouldn't be able to see down there. You could not possibly see where the object fell from any of the surrounding roads. Even in daylight, you couldn't possibly see it. You had to be down in the ravine to see where this object fell. So anyhow, we now know that some individual civilians got in there first. Then later, there were some volunteer firemen that came in and came across the object, and then the military came in. There are multitudes of amazing stories. What people did, how they interacted with the military. And the fact now that a number of people have gone on public record and stated that soldiers who came out to that area, they're on other people's private property. They're preventing other civilians from going down into the ravine to see what was down there. And in some cases, they're aiming their weapons at civilians. Oh, boy. Let me ask you something here. We have to kind of move this fast because we've covered some of this before. So let's cut to the chase here. Now, in the hieroglyphic type of writing, and how many people, by the way, confirm that particular version of the story? I, I can't say exactly. It would not be a big numbers. I mean, I can think of three, four. I'm, I'm just going to guess. And, I, and again, after so many years talking to so many people, and there were people, again, who saw it on the flatbed truck. And some people were able to see the hieroglyphic markings when it moved by the, on, the, on the flatbed. One other witness, uh, Lake Cherry Betters, was well-known in the area as a jazz musician. He saw it coming up out of the field on the Army flatbed, but for whatever reason, at that point, the tarp was not on it or was off of it. So he could see the markings on that as well. So there were different people who saw it at different locations. I'm going to say probably under 10. Okay, so 10 people saw this. Did they all describe essentially the same type of lettering? Oh, yeah, very much. I mean, it's very much not everybody was as close as, uh, you know, a few people who got down into the ravine and saw it. So we know at least a few, a handful of people were close enough down in the field 
that they were able to get a look. But it wasn't until years and years later that they really gave it much thought. Because the next day when it's in the paper and the government's saying there was nothing down there, they all just kept their mouth shut. I mean, they told relatives and a couple of friends, but for years and years and years, they kept it very, very quiet. Well, there's also been changes to the government's description. Like, for example, I understand back in 2005, they claimed what was there were the remnants of a Russian satellite. But since when do the Russians use hieroglyphic lettering? Unless yeah, maybe well, the Egyptians had a secret space program that we knew nothing about. Right. Well, one of the, there were a number of different possible origins for the object. And one of the first things that we looked into, because it was interesting, because we uncovered some information which indicated that a Soviet Venus probe, Cosmos 96, had coincidentally re-entered the Earth's atmosphere at 3.18 a.m. in the morning in Canada. Let's stop it there. Let Let me stop it there and do the break. In Canada, all right. Let's follow that and see if there's any relationship. With Stan Gordon joining us, you're on with Gene and Chris. Chris, of course, is here in spirit this week. But you are in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I didn't believe it. Neither did I. No way could you professionally remove unwanted hair, pain-free, and at home. My thoughts exactly. Remove my face and body hair without expensive, painful office visits. Not possible. Great minds think alike. Until I tried No-No Pro. Mm-hmm. Wait, you tried No-No? Yes, and it works. I use it on my face, legs, bikini line. We're BFFs, and you didn't tell me about No-No? Here, this is my new No-No Pro. The most powerful No-No made. Custom treatment levels, less hair in less time, perfect for any skin type. Try it. No hair, no pain, no time consuming expensive office visits no no and no no for a limited time you can try no no pro risk-free you'll also get the facial kit and a travel case get weeks of long-lasting results that's it i'm getting a no no great minds do think alike (laughs) (laughs) try no no pro risk-free by calling 800-952-5760 800-952-5760 that's 800-952-5760 800-952-5760 What good is a big Berkey water filter? 
We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey Water Filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Here on the Paracast, we're going to wrap up in this segment the description of the Kecksburg UFO case from December of 1965. Okay, so a Soviet space probe is described as one possibility. So yay or nay, Stan Gordon? Well, the information we have, and, and there was a lot of research done over the years on it, but first of all, what we know about Cosmos 96, it didn't have the capability to come in slowly, make changes direction, make a slow descent. And it was much smaller in size compared to what witnesses described out at the scene. There was some contact made, I know, years ago with some of the news media, and later I had contact with the Russian Space Agency, and they indicated that there was no indication that Cosmos 96 had any relationship to what fell down in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Can I remember, they had some really good tracking facilities, just like we did back in those days. If some of the others had fallen, they would have wanted it back. And there was never a paper trail found where that was requested. So there's, there's many, many unanswered questions. I've had numerous people over the years contact me and say they knew for sure what the Kecksburg object was. There were many different origins we heard from the first one at the time it happened was when a, a, an Air Force officer told members of a family who were involved that a Gemini capsule had been expelled in the area which, of course, we know that was never the case. And then another one of other different possibilities of people calling me was one guy said he was certain it was a Soviet ICBM. Another one said he was sure that it was some type of projectile that was fired from a giant gun on a railroad car in Canada. And, of course, in more recent years, people have been inquiring, is, could this be the Soviet Nazi bell? 
But once again, I've never seen any indication or any evidence that the two are related. But they, and there's many facets of this case, which are very, very interesting. I'm not sure we, if we even got into it in prior shows before. One thing that's not as well known that has come up is information now that there is the possibility that someone or something may have been inside, which we didn't know that years ago. What about the possibility? This was one of our test aircraft, which is one why it was retrieved so quickly, number two, why they didn't say very much about it. You know, after so many years of doing research on the case, I keep an open mind still as to what the origin of the object was. I mean, if you remember back in the early days of the space program, almost everything I can recall seeing Soviet or U.S., you saw a lot of rivets and weld marks and seams. According to witnesses, this was like one smooth, tall piece of metal, which was kind of interesting in the way it was designed as well. The other thing that came up is when I was producing my documentary on the case called Kecksburg Untold Story, one of the people I interviewed was a fellow named Myron, and he had worked for a large supply house in Ohio at the time this event happened. Myron was one of many, many people that contacted me after we did the season premiere in 1990 for the Unsolved Mysteries TV show. And when he called me, he said, I guess I'm allowed to talk about it now since it's on television. So Myron went on to tell me that he was one of two truck drivers who had taken a special order of glazed engineering brick to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base several days after the object had been recovered in Pennsylvania first truck driver for quite a while. He didn't really want to discuss it too much. The late Len Stringfield was involved in some of this research with me as well, investigation. He got the interview, and then I talked to him as well. And later he did confirm that he took the first load of bricks into Wright-Patterson. They were escorted in, and he saw a, the military flatbed trailer with the tarped object outside of this building the day before. The next day when he and Myron went, that was not there anymore. So they were told just to do your job, unload the, the pallets of brick, this do what you're supposed to be doing. But as the day went on, Myron got curious because he was seeing these men in white coveralls with some type of protective gear and sidearms, and they were periodically changing, I believe, like their, their gloves and uh, some of their outer clothing, as I recall. He was wondering what was going on inside this warehouse building. So when he didn't see anybody around, he ran over into the entrance, and he saw up on scaffoldings, he saw this large metallic acorn-shaped object described as very much like the other witnesses. It described seeing the hieroglyphic markings. They're all, these guys are up on ladders, and apparently they're trying to get inside this thing. So apparently at one point, Myron started asking some questions, and these, this one fellow must have thought he had clearance, and they soon realized he didn't, and Myron was threatened and pretty much told that you're never to talk about what you see or we'll throw you in jail and throw away the keys, but in 20 years, this will all be public knowledge, which, of course, never happened. 49 years ago, the Kecksburg UFO occurs. Looking at it in 2014, do we know anything new in recent years that maybe hasn't been disclosed before or will correct maybe a few assumptions on the part of people about the case that are wrong? Well, you know, in recent years, I, I found a few other witnesses who I've talked to, people who were on the scene that night, people who were basically among the crowd that saw the military people. So unfortunately, nothing, nothing earth-shattering, nothing that's going to unfortunately close the, the case that we would like to close the case after almost 50 years. There are many, many different events, you know, we could talk about on this case that are just so interesting, a lot of personal interactions with people, what happened out there with the military. What we have found in more recent years, a couple of things is, one, we now know that there were two military flatbed tractor trailer trucks at the scene. Uh, one went out earlier, and the second one went out around 1 o'clock in the morning, 
with the object on it. And in the summer of 1990, before we did the Unsolved Mystery Show, uh, is when this man made contact with me. And I was able to check out his background, and he told me he was a part of the Air Force Security Team, or Air Force Security Police, that guarded the object at Lockbourne Air Force Base near Columbus, Ohio, when it came into the base during the early morning hours of December the 10th. And what he told us was that they backed the flatbed with the tarped object into a hangar, they set up a security perimeter, and the security was extremely tight. He said they were given a shoot-to-kill order to anybody approach that hangar without the proper authority. Now, he also told me he, um, for whatever reason, didn't stay on the team much longer that night. He had something else he was assigned to do. But he heard that the flatbed didn't stay at the base that long. It continued on to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And that's later where other people independently contacted me and told me exactly what building it went to. Now, of course, we have no idea where it might be at today. We have a few questions from our listeners about Kecksburg. Before we leave that subject, let's start with them. We may have to continue through our next segment. Let's go on. So this is from Burnt State. Now, Burnt State is a very loyal listener to the show. He's been around in our forums for a little over two years, posted nearly 2,000 messages. So he's very energetic about it. So first, in looking through your independent documentary and in reading through the literature, there are a bit of discrepancies regarding the size of what crashed in the woods. One reporter in your documentary claimed that what was on the flatbed truck was about the size of two suitcases only. Well, others claim it was the size of a VW Beetle. So how big was it? Right, and that's exactly true, because, as I just mentioned, we are aware, after a number of years now, that there were two flatbed tractor trailers. The one that went out earlier had what appeared to be a, a lower, longer, flatter, whatever it was, was covered over by the tarp. But the object that went out later that night around 1 o'clock in the morning had the acorn-shaped object on it that went to Lockbourne Air Force Base. Okay, second question. Do you have any confirmation of unique bricks or ceramic tiles actually being shipped to Wright-Patterson to be used to entomb the object? No, I had very specific details and information and a lot of information The people involved did not want their company name involved, but we had a lot of specific information and details at that time. Do I have an order or anything to show? Unfortunately, we do not. Final question. Did the witness Romanski ever draw the symbols he saw in the object so that it could be verified that this was not a recognizable human language? This gets back to our discussion about hieroglyphics. Okay. We didn't find him until 1987. It was just by sheer luck that I had a very large UFO display in one of the local malls, which thousands of people came out to. And it was August of 87 that we just had a small little display on Kecksburg, and he and his family happened to be walking by, and he was listening to one of my associates talking to a person about the case, and he said, excuse me, you talking about that incident out in Kecksburg? And they said, yeah, and he said, well, I was on the search team that found the object. Right away, he said he'd be willing to talk to us, he didn't want get publicly involved, he didn't want his family involved, but that led to multitudes of interviews. Later, us take, meeting him out in the general area, us telling him nothing about what we knew, and him taking us to a particular location in the woods from certain landmarks remembered from memory. And then a year later, that same exact location being confirmed by a second witness who we got a lead on, which is Bill Bullybush. And later, a, a third person, a young boy who lived nearby, who was down in the woods the next day, he independently took us to the same location as well. Anyhow, Jim, it was till years later that he's trying to recall 
some of the details of those symbols. And if you go to my website and if you click on under Kecksburg, Kecksburg incident, you will see a depiction there of the object. And you scroll down a little and you'll see those symbols on there. This was done by artist Dave Sankey over in the United Kingdom. Those symbols are the best that Jim Romancy could remember to his memory. So that's as close as we have as to what they may look like, and they're not in any specific order because we just can't be sure after so many years. All right, more to come with Stan Gordon. You're in the Paracast. Minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Do good people ever want to call an attorney just to find out if they're right or wrong? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what are you forced to think about first? Money. If you could call as often as you wanted and talk as long as you need without a bill, would you call? Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux, and most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Stan Gordon on the Paracast. For the first four segments of the show, we were covering, once again, the Kecksburg UFO incident, December 9th, 1965, when I was very, very young and foolish. (laughs) <laughs> now I'm old and foolish or old and idiotic, depending on your point of view. So there you go. This may be one of those things like Roswell where we never get an answer. Is that possible? We may never have the answer. Like I said, there is so much. We could talk for days about this case. And there, there are so many little details that people really are not aware of. Just a, It's a great interest case. It's a great mystery. And it's something that so many witnesses wish they had closure on. I mean, unfortunately, many key witnesses have passed away. The last 
Expert fireman who was actively involved in some of the activities involved that night passed away last year, Robert Bittner. But there are still many, many people out in that area who were children or teenagers at the time who are still living. What you have to be aware of is while a, a number of people have gone public on this case, the high percentage of people I've interviewed for various reasons still have never gone public. Because again, a lot of those people, when they grew up, they turn out to be police officers and educators and lawyers and very respectable people. And many of those people, even today, they still just don't want to get caught up in the controversy or ridicule. What was so fascinating is that after so many years, so many different people who didn't know each other were giving me those little details that they wouldn't have known unless they were on the scene. And many of them confirmed other people's accounts. Now, of course, when you look at people who confirm other people's reports, do you consider the possibility that they've been reading up on the case and maybe they've altered their testimony to fit with what they read or it's influenced them somehow? Well, first of all, a lot of these witnesses were found back in the 80s, 90s, long before a lot of it, a lot of the details were published. There was a lot of detail, and there's still some details I haven't published, so people can confirm the information. Can you tell us now anything that has not been published about this case that maybe our listeners would like to know about? Okay, well, there's still a number of things that I, I'm still holding on to because I'm hoping to still get confirmation on it. One thing I have found in more recent years that we didn't know until I began to periodically get a witness from different areas and they would bring this up. But after a number of years now, we've got a number of people stretched from remember, outside of Ohio into not too far from Kecksburg where people told me that they saw one, if not two, military jets that were pursuing this object. And that's something I don't have a lot of people on, but there's a number of independent people who have been along this certain path that have described this in detail. All right. Anything else you can tell us that maybe we didn't know? Well, again, there's some things I'm working on, but I'm really hopeful still that maybe now coming up in the 49th and 50th year as we get into the festival now, and we're talking to lots of people, and I'm hopeful that there's some other people out there that have information out there, and hopefully they'll, they'll come and share it, because certain details out there, certain information that might be out there somewhere might help to close the case. You'll be one of the first to know if we have a big breakthrough. Anyone out there who's listening from Pennsylvania who might have some information, insights into Kecksburg case, where can they contact Stan Gordon? Well, they can always reach you through my website, which is stangordon.info, I-N-F-O. The email is P-A-U-F-O at Comcast.net. And, of course, my phone that I've had open since the, for the public, people can call me at my home number since 1969, is area code 724-838-7768. That's the number we call them at. Correct. Okay, so this is a number available to anybody. So we know that there aren't going to be any telemarketing calls. But if you have something legitimate to talk about with Stan Gordon, we invite you to call him up and tell him what you've got, and he'll follow up. Now, the Kecksburg case, like a few of the other classic cases in the UFO field, seem to stand by themselves. It's not that they happen everywhere, but in all the years you've covered the subject since you were 10 years old, is there anything remotely like the Kecksburg UFO that looks like it, that had a similar outcome? What? Well, I started to go out in the field to investigate all kinds of phenomena 
Patrick Hexberg, I began to do field investigations. So I've been out in the field since the end of 1965 doing investigations, of which multitudes and thousands of cases. There's no doubt. And reports come in here almost every day on either current or past reports. So the two main areas, even I get calls on all kind of phenomena, my two main areas are investigating UFO cases and cryptozoology. So I've interviewed hundreds of Bigfoot witnesses. I've interviewed many people who've seen all kinds of strange entities and creatures here in Pennsylvania, from reports of giant birds, such as thunderbirds, including a one we just had this past Monday, a reporter came in, Bigfoot sightings, thunderbirds, Black Panther sightings, a whole array of other strange entities that people report. And so I'm very, very busy. And there have been multitudes of just really detailed UFO cases that I've looked into. You know, first of all, as I mentioned to your Gene many times before, one thing I found years ago when I started doing investigations out in the field, and it's the same today, the reports come in, and many of them initially sound strange or unusual, but when you follow up on the reports and you, and you investigate them, the high percentage of times I'm able to determine these things are natural or man-made in origin. There's many types of misidentifications, which we all know. And, of course, now we're doing with a lot of Chinese lantern reports, and now we're dealing with remote control LED helicopters and aircraft, and we'll be dealing with little drones. So a lot of things that people are going to report turn out to be misidentifications. But then again, year after year, reports are coming in of very detailed incidents both with UFOs and, and cryptids that you cannot easily dismiss. The, the Kexpert case is one of these cases where you have multiple witnesses. They saw something. What it was is still yet to be determined. So it's still an open case. But it's still unique in it's, the sense of the so type of object because, and everything. You know, what was so important out there that the military responded the way they did? The military just does not come out with armed personnel and equipment. For example, just to look for a, a meteorite. There was something out there that they wanted to get their hands on that they responded so quickly. And there were so many witnesses, including reporters, that saw them there. So there's no doubt whatsoever they were there. Yes, but again, the fact that they reacted so quickly, either they were tracking it or maybe it was some sort of test aircraft. Okay, well, I can tell you, officially, they were never tracking it. But over the years, I had a number of different sources who told me that they have no doubt that, that this thing was being tracked over quite a long distance, that they probably had a pretty good idea of what general area it might be coming down. So they had the teams already activated and started to move in the general area. The interesting thing is, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, you know, the military could have been riding around that area for days. They never would have been able to see where it came down unless somebody took them down to the ravine. You say they were riding around there for days. Is this no, ahead no, of the sighting? No, I said they could have been riding around there for ah. days and not been able to see it because this thing was down in the middle of this ravine and you could not see it from any of the roadways around the area. All right, Kexburg. You mentioned quickly a recent Thunderbird sighting. Let's move from UFOs to Thunderbirds. Before we ask you about the latest case, let's go back to give our listeners a sense of what Thunderbirds are. Okay, well, Thunderbird reports go back in Pennsylvania to, I believe, about the late 1800s. There was a history of reports up in the Black Forest region of Pennsylvania, but other reports from around the state as well. And these reports generally are of a very generally large dark brown or black bird, which has a usually wide wingspan. And estimates would be anywhere from 10 to 20 feet in, in, in width. But some of the reports I've had, and while we compile them under Thunderbird reports or Giant Bird reports, there's similarities but differences. Some of the reports we have, people describe seeing something that looks more like a giant leathery bat, a huge leathery bat. 
In other cases, people reluctantly, and they're reluctant to report all these sightings anyhow, but some of them have said what they saw, they were certain, was something prehistoric, like a pterodactyl or a pterothorn, a prehistoric bird. And then there have been some odd reports of something that some people have told investigators that looked something more like a gargoyle. So there's some very, very weird reports out there. And again, you know, some of these cases, it's just like with UFO cases. It's very difficult to judge the size of the object and distance once in the sky. But in both UFO and Thunderbird reports, we have some instances where they were very close to the witness, very close, you know, in, in um, distance and height off the ground. So they were, very, they were in a situation where they got to get a pretty good idea of size and dimension. Let's break here. We'll be back with more discussions about Thunderbirds and more other strange creatures in Pennsylvania. Stan Gordon with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast, Stan Gordon, Pennsylvania-based UFO paranormal researcher, discussing Thunderbirds. Now, looking at these creatures, any possibility it's some sort of creature that survived all these centuries for thousands, millions of years that maybe just keeps itself away from the populace for the most part? Well, again, there's theories on this, and you wonder where, again, as with so many of these strange creature reports, and I'm sure we'll get into some very weird things before we're done talking today, you have to ask the question, where do they come from and where do they go? And this is something that shows up in so many of these cases, not just the Thunderbirds, but the Bigfoot reports, the, the Black Panthers, and all these other weird creatures that people report. And many of these are very, very credible people who want no publicity. Many of them, they're life-changing events for the witnesses. And so, again, we just really don't know. We don't have the answers to so many of the mysteries we deal with. One case that um, really... I found intriguing was uh, a case that actually occurred in nearby West Virginia back in the fall of 2007. And um, I think this was good because I interviewed the witness a number of times. He drew me a nice sketch of what he saw. And this was, um, again, the fall of 2007 in daylight about 8 o'clock in the morning. And he's traveling down a two-lane road uh, in West Virginia. And he has to hit his brakes really hard to avoid hitting this huge bird that's only a few yards in front of him, and it has a dead animal in its mouth, and he's eating roadkill. And he said that the, this huge bird looked as startled to see him as he was to look at it. But he said it was this gigantic. He said it stood at least four feet tall because its head extended above the roof line of his vehicle. And he got a really good look at this thing. He said it was covered with dark brown or black feathers, the neck, was, it was kind of long and crooked, and the beak was dark, and the eyes were dark in color, and the legs were covered with feathers, 
And he said, what was most startling was this just gigantic, monstrous wingspan. And he said this thing was trying to get off the ground. And it would be hopping from one leg to the other, flapping its wings in this really awkward manner, trying to get off the ground. And he said what he's watching was, he's watching the wingtips of this thing. And they're they're right at the edge of of both sides of the road. And when it's flapping its wings, it's, it's taking dust and dirt up into the air. And this thing finally takes off over the trees. Well, he was so amazed by what he saw, he came back the next day and measured the width of the roadway from end to end where he saw the wingtips. It was 21 feet across. Ooh, big bird. Big bird. And actually, he spent some time going to the library looking for all kind of bird information. And he said the closest thing he could find was a pteratorn, which, of course, is an extinct bird. He said that was the closest thing to what he could find. So that's very interesting. This sighting we had this this past Monday, now this was up in Indiana County. And what's interesting about Indiana County is, is this. Indiana County is one of the three counties in southwest Pennsylvania that borders along the Chestnut Ridge. The Chestnut Ridge is a mountain range that stretches from Preston County, West Virginia, to into Westmoreland, Fayette, Indiana County. It is probably one of the, the hottest areas in the country, year after year, for phenomena. From Bigfoot sightings to UFO reports to Thunderbird sightings, other strange Black Panther sightings, mountain lions, weird phenomena, this all kind of strange stuff has historically been seen all along that ridge. Westmoreland, Fed, and Indiana County are very active year after year with all kind of reports. And one thing that I found many years ago when I'm investigating Bigfoot sightings is that a lot of both Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings and a lot of these cryptid creature sightings occur in close proximity to energy sources, such as uh, high-tension power transmission towers, high-tension power lines, uh, power plants, gas wells, gas lines, railroad tracks, water reservoirs, things like that. It's something that shows up very, very commonly. And this sighting Monday occurred only about a mile and a half from the Homer City Power Station, which has a lot of history of UFO events. In fact, from the time they built that big power station in the late 1960s, when they were building it, they had a massive UFO wave going up there for weeks. And that's right at the uh, University of Indiana, Pennsylvania. And in fact, when all the sightings were going on, a professor formed a UFO group up there to investigate all those sightings. Well, sightings continue all the time. Last year, had several reports of UFOs hovering and operating in the vicinity of the power station. But um, this big bird sighting was interesting because the witness has an extensive background of being a, a fisherman and a hunter, and he, in fact, is very much into bird watching. He's been watching birds and studying birds like 29 and 30 years, and he said he's never seen anything like this before. He's, he's very familiar with all the big birds of Pennsylvania, like blue herons and eagles, and he was just stumped by what he saw on Monday afternoon in daylight. And he said he spent two days just going back through his bird books and studying all those different reports to try to come up with something before he reported it. But he said he has never seen anything like this before. He was um, riding down the road, country road up in Indiana County, when he sees this, what he thought was a small aircraft until it began to flap its wings. 
And he said, it's this huge, gigantic, dark brown bird. It flew steadily with a wing beat, about one beat every two seconds. He said, what stood out was this incredible wingspan and what appeared to be a broad, semicircular tail or rump section. He said it was similar, and the, the wing beat motion was like that of an egret or an heron or a crane, however, a much, much larger wingspan. Now, he told me, he said he would estimate the wingspan to be at least 12 feet or greater. When I talked to him, when I first got the first information, he said he felt it was probably 12 to 14 foot in width. He watched this thing for, I believe it was about, I'd have to look it up again and report, I think about 20 seconds. But it was long enough for him to realize this was unlike anything he had ever seen in all the years he had been burn watching, and he's just scratching his head trying to figure this thing out. So it's very interesting uh, what he saw back in, I believe it was March of this year, near Jeanette, Pennsylvania, which is closer to me, a man that evening happened to look up in the sky, of the cloudy sky, as I recall, and he saw what he thought was a piper cub. So the people around Jeanette, we have small landing strips out there, and we have uh, Arnold Palmer Airport, and we have Greater Pittsburgh and Allegheny County. So people around this area, they're really familiar with seeing piper cub single-engine aircraft coming in regularly every day. So they got a pretty good idea of their size and altitude. So he looks up, and he sees this dark, what he thought at first was like a Piper Cub. But he realized this thing is moving faster than a Piper Cub, smoother, and all of a sudden he noticed that the wings are curved up at the tips. And he really realized this thing is a huge bird. And he runs aside to get his binoculars, where he comes out, and it's going out in the distance. But he said he would estimate, having seen many Piper Cubs at altitude, how big this thing was, it'd have to have a wingspan about 15 foot in width. So that's just a couple of things that's been reported uh, pretty recently. So anyone who thinks weird things, weird events are not happening, well, one that just happened a few days ago clearly indicates it's still going on, still lots of strange things happening. And I want to ask Stan Gordon in our next segment, is there something about Pennsylvania that seems to attract an unusual number of strange events or are just more people looking for them? We'll find out. On the Paracast, Chris O'Brien is off this week. He's on special assignment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy. So you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganix. Life's getting better. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Stan Gordon, Pennsylvania UFO and paranormal investigator. He looks into just UFOs and Bigfoot and Thunderbirds and stuff like that. Okay, so when we look at your UFO and paranormal research over the years and we look at the case histories you have at your site, we see a lot of things going on year after year. Is there something about these regions of Pennsylvania that attracts more than the unusual number of events? Well, you know, my feeling is that these events are probably going on all over the country in many parts of the world, but people don't know where to report it to, where they're hesitant to report it. Historically here in Pennsylvania, 
we know that there's a lot of history going back to the Native Americans. There's newspaper accounts going back to the 1800s that talk about these events happening. So these things have been going on for a long time. And also you've got to remember now that it was back in 1969 that I set up my hotline for the public. And I began to make contact as a, as a young guy involved in these things with the local police and the news media, make them aware about this hotline I was setting up. As word got out about it, my phone was ringing off the hook here, and it was not just on UFOs. It was on people calling veterans from haunted houses to strange creatures to UFOs. Well, I was overwhelmed, and I knew I couldn't handle this on my own. So my goal was to set up a volunteer group of research people who could respond quickly to these type of reports. So that was what I did in 1970. I found the first of three research groups that were active from, from 1970 to end of 1993. And I've been working as independent researcher ever since. But the first group was the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group. It started here uh, east of Pittsburgh. We spread our activity in the Pittsburgh area. It was kind of unique in that most of the people involved were specialists of some type. We had scientists, engineers, technicians. We had scientists and research people from in Pittsburgh, uh, from the Gulf Research, from Westinghouse, from Alcoa, from uh, colleges and universities. And you remember Dr. Hynek years and years ago? He would talk about the invis invisible college. Well, that's what we were dealing with because so many of these very credible researchers work with me anonymously because they're physicians and because they're ridiculed with the subjects. And many of them came in skeptical, to say the least. But after spending years, many of them with, years with me out in the field, doing investigation, seeing the patterns that came up, interviewing the witnesses, seeing the emotions, seeing the evidence in the field, so many of them began to realize that there were things out there we didn't have explanations for. In 1970, it starts in the Pittsburgh area, but by 1973, we took over the state of Pennsylvania. And we were getting reports from throughout the state, and we were covering it pretty well. And by that time, to our kind of amazement, we were getting referrals from the state police, from police agencies, from the news media across the state who were referring cases to us to investigate. So we were very, very busy. And then we came into 1973 when we had the biggest UFO and Bigfoot outbreak in history that happened here in Pennsylvania. And, and you, I'm sure you remember this. In the fall of 73, the United States had that massive UFO outbreak that was making a lot of the evening news in the national newspapers. But in Pennsylvania, it started January 1st and continued to the end of the year. We had hundreds and hundreds of UFO cases going on. And a lot of these were not lights in the sky. A lot of these were large structured craft, pacing cars, hovering over roadways, landing reports, just amazing reports coming in. So we were just busy as heck just following up on all the UFO cases. But then the summer of 73 comes around, and that's when things got very, very amazing. That's when we began with this massive outbreak of Bigfoot activity here in southwest Pennsylvania to spread to many other parts of the state and continue into 1974. It was unprecedented, and our teams were out there day and night. We're doing this around our jobs, but we were covering these cases pretty well. So in many cases, we were on the scene within minutes to hours after they occurred. And that's why we could document it so quickly. And that's when we came up with some very, very bizarre but interesting information concerning UFOs and Bigfoot. Bizarre in what respect? What kind of information about UFOs and Bigfoot are you talking about? 
Okay. Well, you know, when I started this long time ago, when I was a youngster and I was interested in Bigfoot reports, and I began to investigate some Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania in the late 1960s. Well, I always was open-minded to the possibility that a Bigfoot was real. And after having talked to some witnesses around that time, I believed that they saw something out there they couldn't explain away, and I couldn't explain. And I thought that probably, as many researchers believe, that it was some type of unknown zoological specimen, some type of primate, or something along that line. But as these events are unfolding in 1973, and a lot of these people, you got to remember, back in those days, you wouldn't have the Internet. There wasn't TV, a lot of TV shows about UFOs and Bigfoot. Well, people back then were very frightened about the encounters they were having. So many of them would initially call the police, and then I would get the reports and we would follow up on them. So as these reports continuing, and we're getting all these Bigfoot sightings, and many of them were close range, I mean very close range. Some people were 15 to 20 feet away from some less when these things were walking out in front of cars, and many in daylight. And in some cases, more than one creature seen together. So we had very, very detailed information. And our teams, again, are out there gathering information, interviewing eyewitnesses. So as the reports continue to come in from widespread areas, some strange things began to come to our attention. For example, in some cases, our investigators would get out to some of the locations. We would find trails of footprints that would just suddenly stop and disappear. But there should have been more tracks with the ground conditions. We had other cases of people, and we did never recommend people shooting at these creatures, but... There were numerous cases where people did shoot at them with various type of weapons. Nobody ever brought one down. And you may recall we had a one very, very interesting case. It was the case that convinced me that we may be dealing with a phenomenon with Bigfoot, at least in some cases, where we're dealing with something that may not be a normal flesh and blood animal. Because in that case, the woman fired at the creature with a shotgun at close range, and it disappeared in a flash of light. And then... We had a number of very well-documented cases where UFOs and Bigfoot were seen together at the same time and place. So we can go into detail in some of those cases if you like. Well, all right. So the key here is that you feel there's a connection because they're seen at the same time and place. That Therefore, what are you suggesting? That Bigfoot comes out of a UFO and runs around? What? Well, not, not at all. Because, you know, first of all, we've got to look at the unexplained category of UFOs. And I think we've got to be honest and say, we don't know for sure what that unexplained category of UFOs really is. I mean, theoretically, a lot of people believe these things are extraterrestrial. And I think maybe, probably maybe a small percentage of these things might be extraterrestrial. Some of these things could be unknown natural phenomena. I don't have the answers. I can only tell you what data we're finding. But also, more and more information of cases I've seen over the years and talked to other researchers around the country and around the world having contact with Bigfoot researchers, UFO researchers, more and more, especially with some of the Bigfoot cases and even UFO cases I'm looking into, they seem to suggest we're dealing with a phenomena that somehow is energy-related. It has a physical and a non-physical component to it. So it can be physically solid, leave behind physical evidence, and then it's gone. For example, we've had UFO cases and some in daylight, where people see what appear to be a solid physical craft that physically change form, or they suddenly appear and disappear. I've had other cases where I've had a group of people, and only a few people within that group could see the object, where the other people couldn't see it. So could it be that certain people have certain abilities that are able to perceive certain phenomena, others can't, 
or the phenomena is attracted to them. So getting back to your question, you know, do I think that Bigfoot is, for example, riding in a UFO? I've seen no evidence for that. We don't know. And again, a lot of people are associating UFOs as being extraterrestrial. Maybe they are. Maybe certain ones are. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what we're dealing with here. We just don't have the answers. But there could be that the UFO is interested in the Bigfoot or vice versa. We just don't know why this is going on. All right, but let's get back to the other question I have, and you can answer it in our next segment. And that is about so-called window areas. I gather from what you say that if enough people are looking for things around a particular region, they will find more instances of UFO sightings, Bigfoot, Thunderbirds, whatever. It's not a specific area that attracts more. You can answer on the other side. Stan Gordon joins Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. sudden change in the wind. The day grows dark as ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky. And you realize you are not prepared. I am telling you to take cover. The number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the U.S. Tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency. If you are choosing to rely on the government to save you... And no one's coming to help them. You could be dead wrong. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. I'm Kay Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I'd prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to prevent prevent disease, not compound it. My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond OsteoFX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. On the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, and Chris is off this week on special assignment. He's in a location where there is no internet connection and no connection that's reliable to a cell phone. Stan Gordon, Pennsylvania, paranormal investigator, joining us. So I'm going to come back to a question that we kind of got sidetracked with. Do you believe there are specific areas, specific regions, Pennsylvania, anywhere, that attract more than their share of strange events? Uh, Yes, and I I think I may have mentioned the one area, and it's 100 miles long, so I can't give a specific area, even though I'll, I'll mention something to you in a minute, that area along the Chestnut Ridge, it has a much higher than normal area of activity year after year along that ridge in those three counties, West Warren, Fed, and Indiana County, where a lot of people report strange activity. One area along the ridge in West Warren County is outside of Lake Trobe. It's the uh, area around Derry Township. And there's been a lot of sightings almost year after year. We, get, we hear a Bigfoot activity. We had a, a Thunderbird sighting there last year in May in daylight. We've had a lot of UFO activity, other strange occurrences. There's a lot of activity right around that area. Why? We have no idea. I mean, we looked into the geology of the ridge. We looked at different aspects of what's around there, and we've never been able to find anything in particular or what might be the reason for this. And also, at times, you get this periodic outbreak of other cryptid creatures. For example, back in the 80s in the northern part of Westmoreland County, we were getting reports of Bigfoot sightings going on in this rural area. Various people were seeing it. And about the same time, we began to have an outbreak of, of, of Black Panther sightings in the same area. So sometimes something like that occurs. So if you go, go back into history, you look in the Carolinas, we had the outbreak of the Lizard Man. You had the, the Moth Man outbreak of the late 60s in West Virginia, which isn't that far from where I'm at. And I found out many, many years later that about the same time that the Mothman was being seen down in West Virginia, there were a couple incidents of that 
same thing or something similar being seen in the Pittsburgh area, but they were never made public. They were kept quiet. So at times, you have these outbreaks of certain areas where these things occur. And, and one just the top of my head, um, you're aware of Ted Phillips, who was working very close with Dr. Hynek for years and years on physical trace cases of UFOs. I guess several years ago, he got involved in an investigation, which I believe was out in, um, I think it was Illinois, but I'm not positive, but he called it Marley Woods. Right. Okay. I think that's Missouri, although and I, meant to say I don't Missouri, recall the exact yes, location. He, Missouri. And it, so he got involved in this area where all kind of paranormal phenomena is going on, from UFO sightings, Thunderbird reports, Bigfoot events, the same kind of thing that I was finding years ago. These things we hear about in certain areas. You've got the Skinwalker Ranch, for example. A lot of people heard about that. There are other areas of the country that I have heard of from other research where these things are going on. One thing I found years ago, many people in the UFO field don't want to have any association with Bigfoot, and many in the Bigfoot community don't want to connect Bigfoot and UFOs. My position is, as a researcher, these are the cases we're uncovering and documenting. We're not, I'm not out looking for these cases. I never expected to have these events turn up, but I'm not to get dismiss them and say they're not happening. It's important to study these cases, to try to find out more details, to share this information, and hopefully more and more investigators and witnesses will come forward so more people can study it. And I have seen in more recent years, and I know there's been a lot of response to my Silent Invasion book, which focuses on these cases, that I've had a very positive response from throughout the country and out of the country, and many more people in the Bigfoot field seem to be becoming more and more open-minded to the fact that there may be more to the Bigfoot phenomenon than we understand. Because the question I've asked for years and years is, it doesn't make any sense. After so many Bigfoot sightings for how many years throughout the country and throughout the world of something similar, and yet by now we still have very little physical evidence and no body. Something just doesn't make sense here. No matter how rare an animal is, we have skeletal remains. I mean, I've never come across a bear, a bear carcass out in the woods, but the zoos around here are full of them. So there just seems to be something else going on here. And with some of the weird cases we documented, it suggests that we may be dealing with something that might be, for a better term, interdimensional. Okay, I have a question from one of our listeners. It might be appropriate right now. The listener's name is Techno Magit. Not Magnet, Magit. And question number one is, I live in New Jersey. Are there any hot spots in New Jersey? And have you had any cases in New Jersey? That's kind of out of your coverage area, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah, I, I've heard stories from New York and New Jersey. I deal mainly in Pennsylvania because I'm just overwhelmed. Pennsylvania alone, it, it never ends. And uh, so I deal with that. I, I do talk to researchers throughout the country. I've heard of you know a number of different events. You know, Of course, the, the Jersey Devil historically has always had a lot of interest. But I've heard of uh, Bigfoot encounters up there and giant bird sightings and other entities. So I think it goes on almost everywhere, but I can't not give you any particular area. So there's nothing you could measure about these areas that seems to say why they attract more of these events. Nothing that you could determine except that they do. Well, myself and other researchers here years and years ago, I mean, as we're getting a lot of this activity, we, we did study the geology. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a non-active earthquake fault going through the Chestnut Ridge, but I don't see any connection with that. 
and it's just nothing has turned up except the one thing we keep finding is that there's a lot of power sources quite often in the areas where these events occur. All right. Power sources. So they hang out at power stations, nuclear or just regular? I've got them at at various types, Uh, non-nuclear most of the time. But uh, again, a lot of the sightings occur along high-tension power lines. You know, one case that's very interesting, people used to bring up to me years and years ago, and they used to say, well, how come people never see UFOs over populated areas? And I can tell you, that has changed so dramatically over the last 20, 30 years. I mean, we have multitudes of sightings here in Pennsylvania alone and other, and other states, but here in Pennsylvania, we've had sightings over down, in downtown Pittsburgh. We had a big cigar-shaped object that hovered at a, uh, at a suburb of Pittsburgh near Squirrel Hill a number of years ago. We had a, a very interesting detailed UFO incident where a very large saucer-shaped object with windows and symbols hovered over a house two years ago in the Bloomfield area of Pittsburgh. Uh, and that was just a few hours after we had a car chase down in eastern Pennsylvania. It was reported. Let's go back to the car chase for a moment. I just think of the Dale Spar case back in the 60s where two police officers chase a UFO from Ohio to Pennsylvania. Yes. So what kind of car chase are we talking about here? Well, the one you talk about, as I recall, is April 17, 1966, and that uh, car chase came in to outside of the Pittsburgh area. So it was interesting, and I have had numerous car chases. This event, I'm going from memory here, I have the report right in front of me, but this was in April, I believe it was two years ago. I think, anyhow, this was down outside of Lancaster, and a husband and wife were in a car, and they noticed this spherical object hovering in the distance over a field. And they began to move closer to this thing because it looked so strange and unusual, and this thing's hovering. And as I recall, she went to take a picture of it, and her camera flashed. And when it did, this thing began to follow their vehicle down the road, and it followed for quite a distance in this rural area. And it ended up getting, I believe, about 20 feet from the car overhead. It was about as long as a school bus. And uh, the guy went at a high rate of speed to try to get away from this thing, and finally it, it left the area. And it was uh, not that long afterwards. And, again, I have to look at the, the report. I can't remember. Two, three hours later, we had this report in the suburb of Pittsburgh of this very large structured craft. Um, very, very detailed report. And this thing, the guy was coming home from a friend's house, and neighbors, he was watching TV there, and he happened, as I recall, he happened to trip on a tree trunk, and he looked up, and here's this thing about 40 feet over, hovering over the top of his house. And he couldn't believe what he's saying, and this wasn't a light. I mean, this was a large structured craft, and it had, I believe, a number of windows in it. It had some, like, triangular hieroglyphic-like symbols on it, and... He ran into the house to get his father to come out, and as this thing accelerated into the sky, I, I believe it was like some type of, uh, it was a spirally, cloudy, like, vortex. It kind of opened up, and this thing went up into that and disappeared. And interestingly, within that 24-hour period, I was getting other reports from around the state of people describing a similar type of, like, a vortex thing was being seen. So that 24 hours, in fact, I know if you go onto my website and you go back through sighting reports and UFOs, you'll you'll find a detailed report on that case. We have Uh, Stan Gordon, and he's telling us now about recent UFO sightings. So those of you who have heard 
that UFO cases aren't happening like they used to. Well, that's not the case. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Do you ever feel like you live in an alternate universe? As the stock market hits new highs, the middle class are dying. Manipulated financial markets and economic figures, chaos on our border, China and Russia bypassing the dollar. Life is getting ready to change. You need to prepare to thrive in the new economy. Go to babyboomerbackupplan.com or call 888-507-8789. That's 888-507-8789. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stock for investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. This is big! Not just big, it's the Freeze Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high quality Mountain House freeze dried foods from the Freeze Dry Guy. Factory fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best tasting, longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866 404 3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry, the giant factory authorized Mountain House sale is going on now. Only from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast, I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Stan Gordon, UFO investigator, paranormal investigator, pointing out here that if you ever believe that people no longer see UFOs, no longer chase UFOs, no longer have incredible encounters. Well, they do. You mentioned another case there where another UFO had lettering on it in recent years. I think the one I just mentioned was the one over the Bloomfield area of Pittsburgh where the, the big uh, metallic saucer-shaped, saucer-shaped object was hovering, and he could actually, he said it was like uh, triangular markings on it, I believe is what I, what I wanted to say. Triangular markings. Right. I believe they were like triangles, like an insignia in the form of triangles, I believe he said. And I have to go back through that report. It's been a while since I looked at it, but it's it's on my website. Okay. And another really interesting UFO case, probably one of the best I've had in years. It was one of those cases we used to hear about in in the classic reports back in the 50s and 60s. But this just happened June 1st of last year on a major highway. This is Route 30 East, 25 miles or so from Pittsburgh here in Westmoreland County. A little bit after 10 o'clock at night, 
a woman who didn't believe in UFOs until this experience, and a three-year-old child. They're coming out of a convenience store. They're making a left on Route 30 eastbound, and as she's riding down the road, she suddenly has to almost stop in the middle of Route 30. Here's this huge object about 60 feet above the roadway, about 55 feet long, taking up all four lanes of the highway. It's, it's a big metallic rectangular object. It's making absolutely no sound. The lighting configuration, which you went into great detail, completely unlike any type of normal navigational lighting. Her little three-year-old child yells, Mommy, flying iPad in the sky. And she has to pass underneath this thing to go home. When she passes underneath the object, the electronics and the dash of her car all goes out. Her clock goes out. Her FM radio station she was listening to goes off the air. She was talking on the cell phone. She lost her cell phone signal. She tried to take a picture with her iPhone. It wouldn't let her go into the photo mode. And when she went down the road, all the electronics came back on. So it was a very detailed case. I spent a lot of time on it. Uh, that person became a UFO believer. She realized she saw something she had no explanation for. We're getting more reports of these large rectangular or box-shaped objects in recent years and, in fact, in recent months. Earlier this year, I was getting daylight reports of huge black rectangular objects right over the treetops down at what we call the Mon Valley area outside of Pittsburgh. Well, now, do the authorities have any comments about these various cases? Any responses at all, or do they just ignore them? Well, you know, it, things are a lot different today because most of these people anymore, you know, now that we have the Internet, there a lot of people don't call the authorities like they used to back in the 70s and 80s. So a lot of them contact me directly, and their first request is, please don't use my name. So very, there's nine, probably 95% of the reports that I hear about, except what you see on my website, and not all reports are on there, a guy just backed up, um, are not publicly known. Uh, quite often, I'll find witnesses week, days, weeks, or months later, other witnesses will independently contact me and confirm the same reports from the same general area, which is what I had with one of those reports of the Black Triangle that was seen that particular afternoon. And uh, so the authorities, in many, many cases, don't get involved very often. Now, lots of times when you'll get an article in the paper locally when some, a mass sighting will occur, and that generally is a tribute to if you have a big, bright fireball meteor come over and a lot of people call in, that's one thing. But to see a large cigar-shaped object, a big triangular object hovering over the roadway, very rarely does that make the news like it used to many years ago. So it's a normal event? Excuse me? So it's a normal event? Well, the meteor would be a normal event, and that's what quite often makes the papers. But a lot of people see very strange reports to reluctant frame publicity, so very rarely does it ever get into the news. Okay, so everybody has an iPhone or a Samsung phone nowadays. Hundreds of millions around the world. Yet, when we do see photos of alleged UFOs, it's just lights in the sky, indistinct. As if we're seeing these big rectangles and cigar-shaped craft, where are the photos? And, you know, I've asked that question for years, and there are photos. I mean, I get pictures in here pretty often. We get photos and videos, and one of my associates is pretty good at doing analysis on them, and so we look at them. But you're right. Many of them are not very clear. The problem is a lot of these are night sightings, and the digital cameras are not designed to take detailed photos of something high in the sky at night. 
and especially when they're moving these things a little bit, you get a lot of motion uh, problems with them. So it's really hard to determine in some cases what people are seeing. But on occasion, we get lucky. Back, uh, I believe it was 2007, uh, in a little town near Youngwood, Pennsylvania, three people were riding down the road when they see this very large diamond-shaped object right over the treetops, very large object, very detailed. And the woman, luckily, had just bought a new cell phone camera, uh, and she had a night mode shot on it, and she got one very good picture of this thing before it just suddenly vanished in front of her eyes. So there was a really good detailed picture there, and in fact, it's uh, in my really mysterious Pennsylvania book. There's a photograph of it. But on occasion, that happened. The other strange part of this is the fact that I just talked to you about the woman tried to take a picture of the rectangular object, but it would not, for whatever reason, she couldn't get into the camera mode. It wouldn't function properly. I've heard those reports for years from witnesses both with Bigfoot and UFOs. And I believe it was a couple days before that incident on June 1st that a man from Virginia contacted me and told me where he was in a, tr in a large vehicle, a large truck, and this very large triangular object hovered nearby. He had a brand new, I don't know, it was a camera or a cell phone with a camera function in it. He tried several different times to aim that camera and get photographs, and every time he aimed, the camera would not function. So we hear these things every once in a while. So that happens as well. But what most commonly turns up is this. And this guy who had the Thunderbird sighting the other day says, you know what? He said, I had my, my phone. I could have taken a picture of this thing, but it only lasts for 20 seconds. He said, I was so shocked to see what I saw that I didn't even think about it until afterwards. And that is very common. So many witnesses who encounter a Bigfoot or a UFO or other phenomena, they're so shocked not prepared to see what they're about to see. Most never believe these things until they had their observation. They're so shocked. And then afterwards they thought, I can't believe I didn't take a picture. And that's very common. Now, just to let listeners know, if you have an iPhone with iOS 7 or later, and 90% of those with iPhones have them, they have a camera icon on the lock screen. So if you tap the lock screen's camera icon, you should be able to bring up the camera to take a fast photo. This is just give you a possibility here that this way, if you see something strange, you'll be able to capture a photo. But then you have to hold it and aim it. It's not like you instantaneously get a picture. As you say, you have to remember to take the thing out of your pocket or purse, tap the lock screen, tap the camera icon, focus. You know, a UFO may be out of range by then, or you'll be so startled that you'll never capture the picture. But you understand, Stan, where the skeptics are going to continue to say that there are no UFOs, because if they were UFOs with all the cameras around, we'd get compelling movies and still pictures. Of course, at night, it's going to be lights in the sky no matter what you do. Exactly. And so we do see them occasionally. And there's some decent pictures out there. Um, like I said, I've gotten quite a lot of photos and videos in. Some of them show something interesting better not enough to prove anything, and it's just how it is today. You know, again, I'm on the position where I have never seen one personally. I've interviewed thousands of people. I've seen and gathered lots of interesting evidence over the years. I'm convinced from the data that I've gathered over so many years and working
record when a lot of scientific people were very skeptical and then became believers themselves that there's phenomena out there we don't have explanations for. But once again, I've never seen one myself. I notice you're very cautious about saying whether it's ET, interdimensional, or something else. And I think that's a lot better than what some people do, which is to assume things. Assume answers without evidence. The evidence being strange things are happening we have to go from there. I have a lot more to ask you in our next couple of segments here. Stan Gordon joins us because you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. 
Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hoodia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have Stan Gordon joining us in the Paracast. They have the Kecksburg UFO Festival coming this weekend, probably when you hear this show. Tell us briefly about the event before we go on. Well, you know, Kecksburg is not Roswell. It's a very small rural community, and it's an event. This is the ninth annual uh, what they call Old Fashioned and UFO Festival. And, of course, this is the 49th year commemorating the UFO incident that happened coming up on December 9th. Of course, some of the Kecksburg firemen were involved that night in some of the activities, uh, you know, helping to uh, close the roads down around the impact area, helping with uh, traffic control, helping the state police. So there were some that remember the case well, uh, people who had relatives or friends involved that night. But anyhow, the community are having this event. And it gets bigger and bigger every year. They have many, many unique events that you won't find at other type of festivals. They do uh, different things, and they have what they do, like a what they call a bucket brigade and a hay, hay bale toss and a bed race. And they have their famous Smoke in the Valley Burnout Contest. They'll have their Out of This World Hot Dog Eating Contest Sunday afternoon, which is right before the free UFO and Bigfoot Conference, which... We generally get hundreds and hundreds of people come in for this. And we've had people came in last year, I believe, from as far away as Canada and other parts of the country. So it's a real fun event. We have a parade Saturday at 2 o'clock, and they give um, awards for, like, the best UFO entry, best UFO costume, best UFO pet costume, best UFO motor- motorcycle. And they just have a lot of fun with it. But we also have a display from area and statewide uh, researchers, uh, paranormal researchers, UFO Bigfoot researchers, they have displays and people there you can talk to about your experiences. They have a lot of really good food and a lot of fun events. And uh, so if you're in the Kecksburg area, you can get on my website, stangordon.info. There's the information on there. Uh, a number you can call for information is 724-423-9540. And uh, so the event technically starts Friday night. Uh, after 6 o'clock, well, they'll have vendors there, and all the food is half off in the area. This show is going to be on the last day. Right. So. The, the, the conference is Sunday afternoon. Saturday and Sunday, we'll have all the displays set up. All right. Kecksburg UFO Festival. So if you're hearing the show on Sunday morning, and you're in and around that particular part of Pennsylvania, hey, it might be a fun outing to see yeah, what's going on. Yeah, a lot on. of fun. Sure. Okay. Now... I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions that may not be so quick in the response. And that is, we discussed earlier about 
the possibility or lack thereof that the Kecksburg UFO was a government test aircraft. And there have been stories over the years, particularly in the early days of UFO research, the late 40s, 50s, etc., of a high degree of government involvement, maybe because there were test aircraft that were mistaken for UFOs. So have you seen evidence of government involvement in any of the things you do? We can start with Kecksburg because they supposedly took the craft away in a flatbed truck. Okay, so I, I, I didn't get the whole thing clearly. I, are you asking me, have I seen cases where the government has an interest in UFO events, uh, UFO incidents? Any government involvement, whatever. Of course, we start with Kecksburg. Obvious government okay. involvement. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you over the years that there have been a number of cases about UFOs and Bigfoot, which suggested that the government had an interest in some of the cases I was involved with. This goes back to, uh, well, of course, starts with Kecksburg. But the events of 1973, which I get involved in uh, when I wrote my silent invasion book, it gets into that. There was some interest from the government representatives of, of our investigation of what was going on. But there was also some very odd cases, which might fall into the men in black category, that happened with some cases as well. One of the, the, the most interesting case, and probably the classic case of all time, it's a long case. I think I may have talked about it before. It happened during that event on October 25th, 1973, back in Fayette County again. I've talked about that area. Uh, this was an incident where that 24-hour period, there were a lot of UFO reports coming in from around the state on my hotline. But I got a call about 10.30 that night from a state trooper from the Uniontown Barracks. He had just come back from investigating this multiple-witness UFO landing and two Bigfoot creatures in the field at the same time. This case gets very involved, very bizarre. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but the basics is that about 15 people observed this barn-sized red sphere about 100 feet off the ground dropping towards the pasture. All these people seen around this area. The farmer's son was out there at the time coming down the farm lane to visit his dad at his dad's farm where this was taking place. He saw it. He goes to another neighbor's home to get a different vantage point, sees this thing dropping. He and two young boys decide they're going to go up to see what's going on. He runs over to his dad's farm, grabs a .30-06 and a handful of ammo. And that ammo was live ammo and a couple of tracers. So they're just like flares. They just give you a flash of light. Anyhow, as they're getting closer towards the pasture, in the distance, dogs are going crazy. They hear this high-pitched whining sound like a baby, baby's crying, baby crying sound. They get up to the top of the pasture, and they're pretty amazed at what they're seeing. Here, this object now is on the ground or right above it, about 250 feet away. Now it's a bright white dome with a flat bottom towards the ground, so it's like a half of a sphere. And it's about 100 feet or so in diameter. It's lighting up the whole area, making this high-pitched whining sound. They're, they're standing there in amazement. They just can't figure out what this thing is. But as they're watching it, they're catching goes towards the barbed wire fence about 75 feet away because along that fence are these two tall figures that are slowly walking in their direction. The posts are like six feet tall. The one in front, this thing has to be at least eight feet tall. The other one's about seven feet tall. Well, they're looking at these things and trying to figure out what they are, and the first thought is they got to be bear. You know, bears are rarely seen around the area, but they've been seen. But they realize these things are bipedal. They're very tall. 
They have very long arms hanging down almost to the ground. They're covered with long, dark hair, matted hair is hanging down from the body and from the arms. They have glowing green eyes. They're making this baby crying sound, and they can't believe what they're seeing. So as these things are slowly walking towards them, one of the boys starts yelling, shoot him, shoot him. And uh, the one kid takes off out of the field. He's so scared. Finally, the guy fires a tracer. See, it just got that, that glare, that trail. And then he fires the second tracer. So when he fires that second tracer, the largest of the two creature reaches out its hand and makes this loud, crying, whining sound and reaches out as though to grab that tracer. And the exact moment it does that, the object in the field vanishes and disappears. It doesn't take off. It's just gone. And all that bright illumination disappears. The, the object's gone. Everything is gone. And you know, I understand guys, this is really weird, but I'm yes. getting back to government involvement, which was the original question. Okay. Which well, is, what evidence need- do we see, especially in the early days of the UFO field, okay. of government involvement, government okay. disinformation, government possibly manipulating events to make it seem, and we'll have you answer this question in our next segment, make it seem as if UFOs are being seen, but no, that's not what happened. And I will mention a book that you may not have heard about, The Rosetta Deception from James Carrion, a former director of MUFON that we discussed last week, and you might want to check out that book to see what I'm talking about. And I'd like to get your insight into what the government may have done to impact the UFO mystery. We have Stan Gordon joining us. You're in the Paracast. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hey folks, this is Larry Crisp for BabyBoomerBackupPlan.com. I'm sure you know, this economy sucks. We all realize that the American economy is tremendously unstable right now and will likely get much worse. There's monumental debt, government bailouts, stock and real estate bubbles that are primed to pop at any moment, which can flush away most or all of your retirement savings. This type of movement has enormous consequences. Virtually zero sectors of the economy are hiring and workforce participation is at record lows. Financial trouble is right here at our doorstep. But if you move right now and develop a backup plan immediately, this could be the most profitable time of your life. Proportionately, more millionaires were created during the Great Depression than at any time in our history. Get my free report at BabyBoomerBackupPlan.com or call 888-507-8789 for my free 
free report, 888-507-8789, and prepare to profit as history repeats itself. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, and in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Stan Gordon is here. Of course, they have the Kecksburg UFO Festival this weekend. So if you're listening to the show on the Sunday morning, you're in southwest Pennsylvania, want to check it out, have an outing, that's the way to go. So, okay, government involvement, disinformation, manipulating events, stuff like that. Okay. Stan, let's focus strictly on that. Okay, well, the reason I was giving the background on the cases is to bring in where may have been the military interested in that case. So what happens is we spent a lot of time on that investigation. What we didn't know till years later, because we kept in touch with the witness, spent a lot of time at the time during it happened, but over the years we kept going back. We never hypnotized him. There was some, there was some odd things that happened later on during the case we won't have time to get into. Anyhow, when we did a follow-up years later, and we considered doing hypnosis, he said to us, my associate and I, why do you want to hypnotize me again? And we said, what are you talking about? And he goes on to tell us that about a week after it happened, two men came, one in an Air Force uniform, one in a suit. The one guy had a briefcase. He always thought they were part of my research group. Anyhow, out of that briefcase, they pulled photographs of both UFOs and Bigfoot. And they wanted him to show what pictures of both the Bigfoot and UFOs look similar to what he saw. But they also apparently hypnotized him at the time. And... We never, he never heard from him after that. We followed, we tried to do investigation research and try to find out who these people were. And of course, it was 1973, and the Air Force had already been out of UFO research officially since 1970. 
So we don't know. But that's just one of a number of incidents over the years which showed a possibility that there was some government interest. I don't have any cases I can think of off the top of my head where the military came in and tried to manipulate, as you're talking about. But I had cases where there was some possible government interest in some of my events. So do you think at all, then, that maybe the government has caused UFO reports by simply taking conventional events and manipulating the publicity? Oh, I would say historically we've heard these things. I'm not saying necessarily case I work with in Pennsylvania, but we've heard incidents from around the country that I have not got deeply involved in, which suggests that the CIA and others may have been involved in something along that line years ago. But uh, I keep that open to the possibility with some of the events, especially in the early days of the, the 40s and the 50s. The reason I mention that is, for example, the first head of the CIA, Rear Admiral R.H. Hillencotter, joined the board of directors, they call them board of governors at the time, of NICAP, Major Kehoe's organization. Now, understand that Kehoe and Hillencotter were friends. They were classmates at the Naval Academy like 40 years previously. But didn't that at all, if you were familiar with NICAP at the time, give you pause to wonder? Oh, sure. I, I would believe so. Yeah, you know, you heard some of the stories going back to the uh, the APRO days, the NICAP days. So you have to wonder if there was something like that going on with some of those cases. All right. But what do you think? Do you think that maybe the things that we think are UFOs were really government events? Well, you know, people have asked me, especially with all these reports, these big triangular objects that keep appearing. And I've had reports of them in Pennsylvania since the 1970s. And my feeling is a lot of these sightings are occurring, again, over populated areas, some in daylight, some at very close range, some where these things are hovering 50, 60 feet above people. My feeling is that the government is not going to be using some type of experimental aircraft on a recurring basis over populated areas when they have hundreds of miles of restricted airspace in other parts of the country to do this. It just doesn't make sense that they would be doing that. Or maybe to misdirect attention from what's really going on. Well, of course, all kinds of theories out there, and of course, we don't know. All we can tell you is there's a lot of reports that have gone on for years and years here in Pennsylvania, seen by many people over populated areas that uh, are very, very strange and unusual. We had, a, we had a massive sighting of a very large, maybe more than one object, back in February of 92 over Williamsport, Pennsylvania. There were multitudes of eyewitnesses. It was making local papers down there for days. I mean, this thing was making a tremendous noise where a lot of UFOs are quiet. Sometimes they're very noisy. And people were running outside to see what was rattling their windows to see this huge metallic thing 250 feet or so off the ground. It's moving so slow that people are walking underneath it, keeping up with it. And there was a very detailed investigation. I mean, we, we had involvement at the time, I remember, with the Air Force, I think the Navy, the FAA, and nobody could figure out what this thing was, where it came from, where did it go. I had people, I had police officers who saw it. I had people who uh, were former military people who lived on Air Force bases who saw this thing, and they said it was unlike anything they had ever seen. One person said it was much bigger in size than the C-5A Galaxy, which was a huge, one of our hugest aircraft. So these things keep going on. And they never stop. Now, you mentioned there were quite a few sightings in the last couple of years, and we see them on your site. If you check your site, we'll see a lot of things happening, a lot of these events that are described. And for our listeners, if you go to stangordon.info, 
You'll check out his blog and you'll find all these reports. Do you see more sightings in the last few years than in previous years? And the reason I mention that is because that's what it seems from MUFON's reports, the MUFON Journal, that 2012, 13, possibly part of 14, a lot of things going on. Well, I, I would say this, over, and again, I can't tell exactly what years after I've lost track after doing this for so long, but the 70s were extremely busy. The 80s were very, very busy, and there were some specific years that you had more cases than others. And reports come in steadily all year round, year after year. And you're getting a lot of reports, but if you, because you're getting a lot of UFO reports, that doesn't necessarily mean they're unexplainable reports. Because, for example, around the holidays now, you can always depend on the fact that we're going to get a lot of Chinese lantern sightings and people launching them. So you get multitudes of reports on Chinese lanterns. Well, they're UFO reports, but you can explain them. And then, you know, in the last few years, we've had several very large fireball meteors, bolides, come in over different parts of the country, um, some which penetrate into Pennsylvania. Well, when you have that kind of event, you have a multiple witness report for many people seeing this fiery object going across the sky, but there's an explanation. So you may be getting a lot of reports. I haven't seen any statistics, but how many remain unexplained is another thing. One thing a lot of people are not aware of, and I started looking at this back in the 60s, but I'm seeing, I would say, a little bit more activity in this aspect of UFOs in the last several years, is that there's this particular area dealing with these small objects that a lot of people are not even aware of. They range anywhere from a few inches to about a foot in diameter, generally spherical. And I've had incidents where these things have entered people's homes and their cars when the windows were down. Um, we had a really interesting case, July 2012, beautiful afternoon, near State College, Pennsylvania, Interstate 80. Fellas riding down the road in this big truck, nice, beautiful afternoon, windows are down. Notice this small sphere, about as big as a, as a tennis ball, pacing his truck in the passenger side window. This sphere enters into his cab, into his truck. It floats all around. It floats right up to his leg. It backs off, it's floating around, and it just goes right out through the bed of the truck. There was another case one of my associates, Jim Brown, worked on down on the West Virginia PA border, I believe within the last year. I can't remember exactly what date. And two men were out in the country, and they saw this light behind their house. They live out in the country, and they thought it was a burglar that had grabbed their gun, came around the side of the house, and this thing's only about six feet off the ground, and it's a small, solid sphere of light, and when they aimed their light at it, it shot straight up to the sky and disappeared. So these little spheres, these little, what I call mini UFOs, they're very interesting. I've had numerous reports of them over the years. It seems like I'm getting more reports of them in the last several years, but it's something a lot of people don't seem to be aware of. But you're right in the thick of it over there. In our next segment and final segment of this episode of the Powercast, I want to ask Stan Gordon to kind of sum things up. Does he think the government knows the secret, or are they just as mystified as we are? What about things like the disclosure movement that we hear from from time to time, where people demand via petition or otherwise that we disclose the truth about UFOs and we face it, whether they're space brothers, space alien invaders, or something else, who knows? We have Stan Gordon, longtime paranormal researcher from Pennsylvania. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. 
from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV This is big! Not just big, it's the Freeze Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high quality Mountain House freeze dried foods from the Freeze Dry Guy. Factory fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best tasting, longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866 404 3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry, the giant factory authorized Mountain House sale is going on now. Only from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855 308 
888-888-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. We have Stan Gordon for one more segment, exploring the torrent of UFO sightings and other paranormal events in Pennsylvania. As you see, he's got a wealth of them, all sorts of cases through the years, close encounters, distant encounters, Thunderbirds, Bigfoot, everything. Let's put it all together, Stan, for this final segment. Okay. There are people demanding out there disclosure that the government revealed what it knows. Do you think the governments really know anything? Well, here's what I've gotten over the years from different people, people who have been in the military. My, my feeling is this. I've seen indications that the government, maybe at various levels, has an interest both with UFOs and even Bigfoot. And in regards to UFOs and Bigfoot, I think, let's say UFOs first. They're very much aware of the phenomena. They take it very seriously. But my feeling is that whatever we're dealing with, they do not have control over it. It's an international phenomena, they, and they don't have all the answers themselves. I think they're as mystified about it as anybody. I think they know a lot more than telling the public. They don't have all the answers of what's going on. And I, and I think that they have a very big interest in Bigfoot for what, I, what I've um, come across from different researchers and some of the cases I've had in Pennsylvania. I believe they have an interest in Bigfoot, and they're trying to figure out what the phenomenon is all about. And I've just got the feeling that they're interested in in some of the kind of events that we've shown where these things appear to have both a physical and a non-physical aspect to them. Again, for a better term, some interdimensional. I think that they may have an interest in this themselves, and they're trying to find out what it is that's behind this phenomenon. And because it's unknown, they won't reveal anything. Is that your well, position? Well, I think they're in a position where they just, they're not in control of what's happening, and they don't have all the answers themselves, and they're probably very reluctant or unable to come out with this because they're just in a position where they're not in control of what's going on. Okay, so you don't believe, for example, the claims by some that the government knows what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe they have the final evidence from Roswell, Kecksburg, or whatever, and maybe even they're in communication with aliens. You don't believe any of that? Well, I, I keep it up in mind a possibility, but I, I think, once again, they might be aware that there's, as myself, that there's more than one origin to the unknown category. Maybe they know that there is a certain percentage that might be extraterrestrial, but they might also be aware that we're dealing with other phenomena that is involved in these in these cases, but they don't know what it is themselves. And it might be much stranger than just an interdimensional, or rather, rather just an extraterrestrial origin. At the same time, we see, of course, more and more information about the discovery of possible Goldilocks or M-type planets that may harbor life around the galaxy. Now, some think this is a gradual way for the government to make people comfortable with the possibility that we're being visited and then pave the way for some revelation. But if you don't believe the government knows very much, it wouldn't make sense. It's just a natural growth of science. Well, once again, I I think the government probably knows tremendously more than they're telling the public, but I just have the feeling from what I've heard from others out in the field that they're beginning to realize that this is a much more complicated phenomenon. Same thing I've discovered over the years, and there's no one easy explanation for the unknown category. 
There, there's things out there, as I've said for years, the phenomenon is so strange it protects itself. Have you seen evidence of any hostile intent by UFOs? No, you know, of all the cases I have, it's not something that it really shows up. Uh, you, know, you hear stories every once in a while, and, and you hear on a rare occasion of somebody who's possibly been injured by one, but this may have been just an indirect uh, incident that involved possibly a propulsion system, but that's so rare. Even with Bigfoot cases, it's it's not something that we see. I mean, these things are very curious of people. They approach people closely, but there's no indication that uh, they have any um, reason to go harm people because we're just not seeing that historically. What about other countries? Do you ever cover cases or do much research into what's happening elsewhere? Well, I, I, I read what I can. But again, I'm so busy just trying to keep up with what's happening here in the state of Pennsylvania that I've uh, pretty much uh, kept my focus on what's going on here in the Keystone State. So you have to just keep up keeping up with the things that are happening. Now, as you progress and as we all get older, do you have people to take over when you decide, you know, I've had enough, I might as well sit back and retire? <laughs> well, I'm retired from my real job, and I've been doing this a little more, even though I've spent a lot of time babysitting my grandchildren. But uh, I'm still very busy and active as long as I can be. And uh, there are some younger researchers in the area that are kind of following my footsteps now. So hopefully there will be others that will take over uh, when the day comes. Do you talk about UFOs with your grandchildren? They're too young to understand it yet. So hopefully when they get older, we'll be able to discuss it. And who knows, maybe one of them will follow down in the path. What about your children? Um, well, my children are they're out of the air. Well, they're not in a position to be doing research right now. They have lives. They have lives. <laughs> when you were working, what did you do? I worked in the electronics field all my life. I worked uh, in electronics, and uh, that's pretty much what I've done. And now I retired almost three years ago. Electronics in what respect? Well, in the early days, I worked on some communication stuff, and I worked in... Uh, all type of advanced electronic sales and that type of thing, and worked in it for many, many years. And it was a gig, I guess, where you had enough time to chase UFOs on the side. Well, I worked it around my job, and calls would come here day and night, so I would you know, follow up on all the cases. I had my three groups over the years were very, very active, and uh, so we responded to hundreds and hundreds of cases over the years. Those groups, they're no longer around? Nope, unfortunately... You know, I, I started the groups, like I said, the first one, 1970. I was basically pretty much paid for all the expenses out of my own pocket for many, many years. Back in those days, you know, we had no email. The cat to pay for every stamp, every phone call. Things got very expensive and uh, did it for many, many years. But I've been working as an independent researcher since uh, the end of 93. So for the past 21 years, it's just been stamped. That is correct. What does the missus think when you chase around a UFO case? My wife is very supportive. Uh, in fact, she's gone out with some interviews with me, and she goes to uh, a lot of the uh, UFO events that I speak at, and uh, so she's very supportive of what I do. All right. What are your plans for the future? You write books occasionally. You continue to cover the sightings. What do you expect to do over the next few years? We assume you're not going to retire ever from UFO research. That's what I'm <laughs> well, feeling. Well, I'm continue to do. Uh, I continue to get reports, investigate as many as I can, continue to educate the public. I do a lot of lectures, uh, both locally and nationally, and uh, do a lot of radio and uh, 
some TV shows on occasion and trying to get information out there. And quite often it leads to very good leads where people report some very important sightings. And sometimes those sightings have very important little details that gives us some insight as to what we might be dealing with or some ideas anyhow. Now I have a question that just came in and we have no time to have it answered from team sheep squatch. Can you talk more about the portal that's believed to be in Derry, Pennsylvania, and the surrounding Laurel Highlands? You kind of mentioned portal stuff before, but you have only 45 seconds to respond. All I can tell you is we don't know a lot, and but that area along the ridge for years and years, people continue year after year to report different phenomena. And that, again, a lot of Bigfoot sightings, UFO reports, strange creature sightings, other anomalies up on top of the ridge over the years we've looked into, and we don't know why, but it, it happens. And even this year, we've had we've heard reports out around that area of something going on. So we continue to go look at the, into those cases, and uh, hopefully someday we'll have more information on it. Can you tell our listeners where they can check out more information about you? Okay, well, they can get to my website, which is stangordon.info, I-N-F-O. My book, Solid Invasion, the Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot Casebook, you'll find some amazing cases in it, and Really Mysterious Pennsylvania. They're available at Amazon.com or autographed copies from my website. And if they want to email me, it's uh, P-A-U-F-O at Comcast.net. Okay, there we go. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Look for two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. I can't explain why that happens. Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com. That's OurStrangePlanet.com. If you buy a copy of Stalking the Herd or any of his other books from Chris's site, he'll autograph them with Stalking the Herd. He'll even number them. It'll be worth more, I think. You can check us out at theparacast.com, theparacast.com, where you can download every single episode of the show, dating back to 2006. Lots to listen to there. Stan Gordon, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.